Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. Time to get it started with First and Ten with Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Vegas Nation. First and Ten, your weekly go-to for Raider news and analysis. Um, We've been off for a couple of weeks. Uh, trying to uh, recharge the batteries before um, training camp starts, which is, by the way, right now, actually, Ra- Ra- uh, Raiders rookies reported on Monday. Veterans are reporting on Wednesday. So we're out on the field at some point uh, on Thursday to finally get a glimpse of the 2022 Raiders before we get into um, this week's podcast. And before I introduce our great co-host, Sam Gordon, I uh, just want to let you know that Vegas Nation First and Ten is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal and Blue Buyer. And speaking of the Las Vegas Review Journal, Sam Gordon, <laughs> we are sitting right now, and eventually we're going to get to a point where we're going to film these, Uh-oh. I think. Uh, right? We're going to take it to a next level. When we do, when we do, you guys, you are going to see this spectacular mm. um, studio yeah. the Review Journal uh, has put together for us here. Uh, serves as our home um, for First and Ten and all the podcasts uh, that we do and plenty of other stuff that you're going to see uh, moving forward that this studio here um, in Las Vegas is going to be used for. Sam, what do you think of the new digs? I'm comfortable, Vinny. I've been here five, ten minutes and it already feels like home. But you look but, like you belong. Yeah, I appreciate that. You, you do look too. like you belong. Yeah, like you belong. Sam, um, you know, uh, is a he's a handsome dude. <laughs> good, good. He's in shape. <laughs> Uh, tremendous, Thanks, um, tremendous looking dude, and he fits right in. Thank you. Back in the my day, I probably would have not as much now, uh, but I'm going to leave that uh, up to, to Sam because uh, he he uh, he definitely holds yeah, down that. You, uh, yeah, end I'm of the trying to follow in your lead. <laughs> I'm trying to follow your lead. Well, you're doing great. Uh, you're you. doing great. We were just talking uh, earlier about um, Sam's going to you know as a, as a great columnist here uh, with the Review Journal, going to be going on some road trips this year for the Raiders. We're talking about travel plans. We're yeah. already at that point, man. I can't believe, Sam, that I'm, I'm going to be getting on a plane in two weeks, 16 days or so uh, for the Hall of Fame game. Ken, Ohio. <laughs> the Raiders, we're not even talking about just practice anymore. We're talking about the fact that the Raiders are getting ready in just over two weeks. So let's just call it two weeks to kick it off. Yeah. To kick the damn thing off, yeah. Sam. Yeah. Like literally kick it off. The whole season. The whole season. Uh, the Raiders have been entrusted along with the Jacksonville Jaguars. With kicking the 2022 season off, yes, it's just the preseason. But I know as a kid, um, the Hall of Fame game was something that you looked forward to, man. It, it, it started the whole thing off. It's football's back, right? right. From that point forward, there's not going to be a week that goes by not one until that you know week in between the championship games and Super Bowl that yes. we won't have football. We're going to have football beginning first week of August all the way through the end of January. You know, and this this does bring back some great memories because when I was a kid, yeah. um, you know, obviously like today, uh, the day that we're that we're taping, it's the uh, MLB All-Star game, which for when I was younger was a huge thing. Midsummer too. classic. The midsummer, like what nothing else was going on. Right, let's right, be right. honest. Yeah. So uh, and there was something special about getting home after and back in my day and i'm sure sam feels the same way we were outside playing yeah for sure <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like like this was the only day of the summer quite honestly that our parents didn't have to call us back in yeah because i wanted to get in front of the television and watch the opening ceremony yeah, I mean, the, the opening thing. ceremonies but the you know the player introductions yeah yeah i was i'm, I'm a met fan so i couldn't wait to get my one met player yeah. <laughs> 
because we were usually pretty bad, except for some fleeting years. Uh, to, 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 you know, Lee Mazzelli, yes, you know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. To, to see it, you had to see it, but otherwise we were outside playing, man. Like how many times did mom and dad for me have, or you have to get your butts in the house? Like it's time for dinner. You know, it's like, but it's starting to get a little dark. You're out there with your friends. I mean, right. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, you said that you're taking me back in time and <laughs> you're taking me back in time. And I, I like where, I like where we're going. It was awesome. Just kind of this, and, and to your point, the summer, the midsummer classic, the all-star game, that was something that I look forward to every single summer. Baseball, just, there was something just right. special about baseball, especially at that time for me. As a, Speaking of which, um, and we're going to obviously get into the Raiders and the Hall of Fame game because the 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 Hall the uh, Midsummer Night's Classic, the MLB All Star Game, always was right in front of the Hall of Fame game. Mm-hmm. It was like very near to that, so we all knew football was coming as well. Uh, baseball season, the pennant races were getting uh, thick and heavy uh, as soon as they got back from the All Star break. Did you happen to see the captain last night? The first I have not seen the first. Oh episode. my! Now I'm going to watch it, Vinny. Rest awesome. assured. I'm not going to give you a. Okay, please. Don't. I think you know how the story ends. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to be, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, given too much away at all. We all know how the career played out, uh, but it's it's great to see it from the very beginning. One of my favorite all time athletes, right? Yeah. You know, and I'm I just said I'm a Mets fan, so you think I like the Yankees? Hell no, I don't like the Yankees, um, but. I always respected the Yankees yep. without question. And I have to say there's a part of me when the Yankees would get to the World Series and the Mets were inevitably a bad team. Um, as a New Yorker, not hard to root for the for the Yankees. Sure. There's something about it like, all right, I you know. They're the Yankees. They're the Yankees. Yeah. And Derek Jeter was the mainstay. And one thing I will say about this is he did say something last night uh, in, in episode one. You'll see it. And he talked about the, the one of the things that no one can take away from him is, and he can honestly say this: I played one position for one team, mm-hmm. the New York Yankees. I played shortstop for the New York Yankees. That's all. That's all he did. He has to say, yeah, about who, what did you do in your life? I played shortstop for the New York Yankees. Oh. That's it. I didn't go to the Detroit. I didn't go to you know end my career in Miami. I didn't. I I I, I began it and ended it as the shortstop for the New York <laughs> Yankees. And the, what's crazy about that? Is uh, I didn't say I said I was going to give anything away. I'm giving things away. So his gra- his his parents, his grandparents lived in New Jersey. Sure. So he's from Michigan, Kalamazoo, Michigan. But he would go take summers with his family, mom and dad, uh, to go visit his grandparents. His grandma was a huge Yankees fan uh, there in in in, in uh, New Jersey. So that's that's how his love first began for the Yankees was as a little kid. So all throughout. He was telling his mom and dad, I want to play your shortstop for the New York Yankees. He goes, as he goes, as as long back as I can remember that I'm physically able to actually do that. That's all I ever thought about. How some, crazy. Some dreams do come true. Yeah. Man. And then draft night when he when he was drafted out of high school, it was like, kind of like a, a fluke way things uh, bounced for him to go to the Yankees. He was supposed to go even higher. I think it was ended up being the fifth pick. And well, I'll tell you what, some of the picks that were taken ahead of him. You're like, okay, what were you thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you got to watch it. It's great. Um, I don't know why we just got off on that tangent, but like you, you know, it's the Yankees. I don't always like them, um, but I always respect them. And Derek Jeter has been a true ambassador to the sports world. No question. No question. One of the consummate, you know, just consummate icons of sports in the last, I don't know, 
ever, maybe. Right, right. Yeah, sure, like Kobe, right? Yeah, for sure. This year, there is not a baseball player right now with kind of the 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 star profile that he had. Right, and he was very graceful in his star too. Um, just you know, he was he was a superstar. Right, right, and and just with baseball now in 2022, you have great players, and you have players with, of course, a lot of fame and reverence, stuff like that, but not somebody with the je ne sais quoi that Derek Jeter had. Whoa. One more time. Je ne sais quoi. I like it. That Derek Jeter had. I like oh, he it. He was special. He was special. And you're you're right on. And and uh, while we're on that subject, it's so interesting to me um, because they were on an even playing field. Uh, he and Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. Okay. They were like literally contemporaries, similar age. Um, same position. Same position. Um, what's ironic about that is if you were just to forget about the name, names, and just look at the numbers. Uh, I think it's clear who had the better numbers, and that was Alex Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. He was probably the better baseball player. Let's just say it had more power. Um, you know all of those things. But but when you watched the or or, or go back and look at the the track of their careers, uh, how one ended up on a straight line um, that led him to is going to let lead him to the Hall of Fame uh, in Derek Jeter may may not have had the astronomical numbers. Uh, as Alex Rodriguez, but you look at Alex Rodriguez between the controversies, uh, the PED use, going from a couple teams, you know, leaving Seattle to go to Texas and then uh, and then to New York. Um, it's it's interesting how they kind of parted ways in in more ways than one as friends mm-hmm. and then um, as contemporaries and how their careers played out. No, certainly, and I think um, you know Derek Jeter had something the numbers can't quantify. There was a lead yeah. and and leadership and and just it that matters in sports it still does right and of course you know we're in the day and age where statistical analysis has evolved and that has led to different kind of decision making and better decision making we're seeing improved products and more efficient ways to do things but you can't legislate the things that make sports sports out of the game leadership being a great teammate all those things that Derek Jeter modeled and that's where I think he had the edge compared to A-Rod um, relatively speaking. Yeah, it's so funny you should mention that because um, the Mets uh, ended the first half. Right before they ended the first half, they played the Atlanta Braves in a huge series. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So they win a game and somebody uh, tweeted out, uh, it was a Braves reporter, I think, or blogger or something along those lines, uh, that the, the, the Mets ended up winning like 5-2, to two, but, but the, the Braves had 11 hard-hit balls compared to uh, the Mets. Like, the Mets had three or something along those lines. But, and my, I, 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 I screenshotted it, and I sent it to my buddy, who's a huge Mets fan, and his reply was, are we going to get to a point where it's not about runs, it's about how hard you hit the ball. Mm-hmm. And if you hit the ball harder, forget the runs. It's about how – and it's like, come on, do you – does that really need to be – You even, play to win the game. Yeah. Herman Edwards. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't care if it's a bleeder. Yeah. I don't care if it's a bloop. <laughs> If it scores the run, that's and you all get that on matters. base. Yeah, um, and who doesn't know that if you hit the ball hard, you're probably going to have a pretty good chance. Like, like the harder the ball hit, the more you do that, the more they're going to find holes, and you're going to be okay. But does it really need to be on this played? particular night? It didn't matter, <laughs> I, I, right? It so, didn't matter. It didn't matter. So, uh, what? Anyway, um, it's just it's it's interesting how things. The direction that things are, are going and what we kind of not so much value but focus on uh as opposed to who won the game mm-hmm. who won the game and it was the mets uh i might add so anyway getting back to the raiders uh raiders rookies reported uh on monday um and uh i think for the first time we've we've talked about this now for the first time in a long time and this is kind of talks to the progress of, of where of the raiders roster and where yep. they are right now 
as opposed to years past, let's just go to 2018. Colton Miller had to play right tackle because yep. there was nobody else to play right tackle. Clee Farrell had to play defensive end. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs had to play, had to start at running back. Uh, Henry Ruggs had to start at wide receiver. Brian Edwards had to start at wide receiver. Jonathan Abram had to start at safety. Uh, Alex Leatherwood last year had to start at right tackle, so on and so forth. Whether guys were ready or not, because the Raiders roster had so many holes, they had to literally ask their rookies, multiple rookies at that, uh, to play and play important roles. That's not the case with no. this rookie class. Yeah, I mean, and to your point, Vinny, he just speaks to a a deeper, more well-rounded roster, right? Um, the there the cupboard wasn't completely bare when Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler walked in, and through their exploits in the offseason, free agency trades, whatnot, they have added, augmented the top end talent, and built out a little bit more depth. And now you get to have some competition, right? The rookies get to be in a position where, hey, if they earn playing time, great. And yeah. if not, that's okay. You don't have to play year one. Obviously, look, who doesn't want their draft class where you got no, seven, eight guys it. that are ready to play right away? But it's a nice luxury where there's not instant pressure, where you can focus a little bit more on development without the pressure of having to go out and play 75 snaps in week one, right? Yeah, and and, and I know this um, uh, kind of uniquely uh, just, uh, you know, having a line of communication um, with, with coaches, uh, let's just put it that way. Uh, and I, so many times, Sam, leading up to training camp, um, you know, just checking in, you know, how's it going, blah, 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 what do you think, you know, blah, blah, blah. man, we're relying on a lot of the young players. Yeah. Gosh, good Lord. Relying on like a lot of young players, is they and and this is a really young team, and it would be said in a way where there was trepidation, sure. and understanding that, you know, with young players uh, comes uncertainty, sure. Um, and I think we've seen that uh, far too often with the Raiders, but I don't think that that's the case anymore. Imagine being Derek Carr, um, for as a for instance, and saying, okay, uh, I'm not sitting back any t- anymore, wondering. Why is, is Henry Ruggs going to get it? Is, is he going to be where he needs to be when I throw him the ball? Is Brian Edwards going to be where I need him to be? Are all these young guys? I mean, now I'm, I think he has a pretty good idea that Devontae Adams <laughs> is going to be where he's going to be and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller and so on and so forth. Well, Vinny, to me, with this this offseason, right, going back to the playoff loss to Cincinnati and, and just when everything began with the hiring of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and so on and so forth, stability, right? It's something the Raiders haven't had for such a, for such a long time, and it really felt to me, just from from my perspective, right, that this offseason was about setting this franchise up big picture for stability for the next several years. Yeah. Now you have a coach-general-manager combination on the football side that you trust moving forward, that you've empowered to 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 do what you what, what they're to, you know to augment this roster and improve this roster with a plan and a philosophy and with requisite top end players in place now, and even on the business side. Right. There had been some turnover there. Now you bring in one of the most respected leaders in the Las Vegas community and Sandra Douglas Morgan. So on both sides, you are getting stability in a new era of, of football in Las Vegas, which I mean, not to not to be all trying to be all poetic about it or have it fit into a, a nice little you know story. Let's have it. But it makes sense. Right. The first year here in Vegas, you don't there's no fans. It's a weird year for everybody. The, the covid year. It's, it's just it's totally abnormal. And then last year. After you're able to start building your foundation here in Vegas on a very grassroots level by bringing fans back in the stadium and then going 10 and 7 and reaching the playoffs. You're able to build a little bit of excitement. That's what I felt like the Raiders did in this community. It took a while, right? Now you are building on that by putting stabilizing forces in place, both sides of the organization, by bringing in top end talent. And it shows to me what the ex, it, 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 there's clear expectations, right? These, these hirings going out and getting Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones, this, this is setting a standard. This team. Is commit, you know, I, I don't mean to be all cliche, but there's a commitment to excellence here 
right? What what? How is that going to play out this fall? We don't know. Right. But there is a commitment, clearly, right? There are expectations. You don't bring in leaders of this magnitude, players of this magnitude, unless you are trying to compete big picture. That's what the Raiders are trying and to do. And not only that, um, but I'll, I'll just throw this at you. Rhetorical question here, but when was the last time a player like Devontae Adams, that caliber, just said, I want to go play for the Raiders? It's been a long time. You know, like with, with the fact that he's – in a great situation in Green Bay and plenty of money being offered to him. Yeah. And said, no, I'd rather be with the Raiders. Yeah. Well, was last time Chandler Jones, a player of that caliber yeah. in free agency who could have gone anywhere, really, let's face it. No, I want to go play for the Raiders. Yeah. When was the last time uh, a coach like, like, you know, obviously John Gruden was a, you know, known commodity and somebody that people, but if it wasn't going to happen with the Raiders, it probably wasn't going to happen anywhere. Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a sentimental act for sure. on his door. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. When was the last time a coach like Josh uh, McDaniels, who, yes, after everything happened with Indianapolis and in, and in Denver, um, you know, maybe from the outside looking in, you're wondering how big of a commodity is is he? He was a big commodity. Sure, people wanted Josh McDaniels, even though. Uh, we may not have read about him actually interviewing with people. There was back channeling going on where, where where teams were reaching out to find out, hey, would he be interested in coming coach coach with us? And after a certain point, he was like, no, no, yeah. no, no. Raiders, yes, yeah. So to me, doesn't that signify something? Yeah, yeah. It just again, it there is there is stability in place and a plan in place, big picture for this organization, for an organization that hasn't always had a plan no. on or off the football field. Let's let's be honest about that. There's been a lot of turnover here the last couple of decades, very little success with the franchise since the Super Bowl appearance. And now after having some success drawing on a set 10 and 7 season in which you push the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals to the absolute brink right, with a, with a goal-to-go situation to possibly win the game, uh, you are building off that by ensuring that there's going to be stability in place by by building out um, a coaching staff, by building out a front office, and by building out a business staff that you trust can lead this franchise into the future. Of course, we have to see it. We have to see how it plays out. But if you're a Raiders fan, how can you not be encouraged? Absolutely. And oh, by the way, you have your long-term stadium. You have your long-time – you know where you're going to be for the next 30 years plus. Uh, you have your practice facility. These are elements – Five, six years ago, the Raiders couldn't tell a coach or a free agent or whoever, right. this is where we're going to be. Right. Because they had no idea where they were going to be. Now they know uh, all of that is solidified. Uh, there's pretty much cost certainty coming in. They just uh, were, were number one um, in terms of ticket revenue mm. uh, this year, $191 million uh, coming in. Um, and so that's the more they, they, they have those types of financially beneficial years, and a lot of that's going to be predicated, obviously, on what they do on the field, uh, the more money they're going to be able to spend uh, on player uh, acquisitions and salary uh, moving forward. So a lot of things are pointing upward for this Raider organization without question. That said, um, and we talked about the additions, obviously game-changing players in, in Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams to what the Raiders already had in Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, et cetera, et cetera. But there's still some concerns without question. Um, number one, it has to come to fruition on the football field. Yep. We all know that. Um, but there's also positional uh, uh, concerns, I think, that until we see it, we got to put a little bit of a question mark next to it. And I'm talking about the offensive mm -hmm. line specifically, and let's just start there. 
Um, we're finally going to get a chance to, uh, to, to, to see this group uh, on Thursday when we, when we get out to practice. Uh, any, any inklings, any uh, presumptions, any gut feelings on who's going to line up as starters um, um, for that top five? Oof. That, that, well, that's that to me, Vinny, you, you nailed it. That's the biggest question going into camp. You know Colton Miller is solidified on the, the left side of that line as a, as a starting offensive tackle, one of the best um, in the NFL. Um, beyond that, dare I say, I, I'm not 100% sure. Right. You know, and that's the merit of training camp. I think when we were out at minicamp, you saw some different combinations. You saw things being shuffled around. I think there are players on this team that the Raiders clearly trust. It's just about kind of figuring out um, who goes where. I'm curious to see – you know, you, you, we t- it was an issue that you covered very well for the Review Journal throughout the, kind of the summer. Alex Leatherwood, second-year offensive lineman out of Alabama, not a great rookie season. Um, that's being nice about it. What, that that doesn't mean it's in the end-all, be-all. What is he going to do? How how has he improved? What is he going to solidify a starting job? Is he going to be a right tackle? Is he going to be a right guard? Um, what about the interior of the offensive line? Denz- with Denzel Good coming back, uh, you still have John Simpson in the mix. You have the third-round pick, Dylan Parham. Like. There's going to feels like there's going to be some competition there. So outside of Colt Miller, and that's a great I want to like, let's be very clear. That's a great foundational building block. Right. I mean, to have the quarterback's blind side protected with one of the best in the league, that that is that is a luxury to have. Not a lot of teams have a left tackle his caliber. But beyond that, I think there's there's quite a few questions. And that's what I'm one of the things I'm, you know, inherently most curious to see when we get out of training camp. What are you thinking? Well, I'm going to I'm going to put you this way. I'm going to change your last name from Gordon to McDaniel. Okay. And your first name from Sam to Josh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your preference here on the offensive line? Like, what do you ideally want to see with this offensive line in terms of its makeup from left to right? Ooh. Um, Cole Miller at left tackle. Um, Denzel Good at one of the guard spots. We'll say left guard. I think Andre James um, was a little better toward the end of the year. Had to build some momentum. Andre James at center. Um Jeez. Parham? Yeah, at guard. and then, the guards? And, and then you're battling it out between Brandon Parker and, and Alex Leatherwood at tackle. Or maybe you add a veteran, you know, once there's always turnover, yeah. right? Once once camp starts, there's going to be some turnover. There's going to be veterans available in the middle of camp. Maybe you bring in a veteran at some point. But to me, um, that feels like something to at least start with and then kind of go from there. I'm going to say this. If Alex Leatherwood and Brandon Parker are legitimately battling out for right tackle, I got a huge problem right now. Sure. I got a huge problem. I'm going to have to try to maybe go out and find something. Sure. Because I feel like I know what Brandon Parker's ceiling is. And it's a guy that can swing back and forth, yeah. you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe maybe grab a game for you here, play a half or a quarter. Um, but for 17 games, I don't like the thought of Brandon Parker as the starting tackle. So if Alex Leatherwood can't beat out what I know to be kind of a journeyman backup type of a player then i think the raiders have problems and they and they might i mean it, this is it's not out of the realm of possibility it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility so that that's why i think from the, from the offense that's why there's so many I think there's if, if you ask raider fans i mean everybody you know the, the offensive line is the number you know what you have a quarterback you know what you have behind Derek Carr. you know what you have on the periphery in terms of receivers you're not positive what you have on the offensive line let me ask you this if that, and we are agreeing that it, that is in the realm of possibility, but if it was in a uh, like like way up there realm of possibility, don't you think that they would have gone out and gotten a better right tackle? Yeah, yeah, they would have probably figured you had mini camp to assess that, figure that out. What so, does it tell you that they didn't? It tells you that they do feel confidence that 
the first round pick from last season yeah. out of Alabama, former All American, is going to improve. Okay, and is is going to show. I think that too, but is going to show improvement and, and that and and be on a trajectory to becoming a quality starter in this league, right? right? Yeah, I agree. Um, but you know, um, you know, I can't. I we can't inject truth serum. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, into them because it could be financial. It could be. Maybe they don't like what's out on the open market too. Um, maybe they're more looking at a trade possibility if it gets to that. But I am curious to 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 you know, and I think that man, how many cards does Alex Leatherwood hold on to right now? Like he he can solve a lot of problems for the Raiders, not just by you know, uh, okay, he's a little bit better than Brandon Parker. Well, you know, that's who the direction that they're going to go in. But being a lot better and yeah. just being a really good player. Woo. That would change things. Well, and I, I, Vinny, I, I know there's nothing last year to, to say that that is a likely or a, a certainty, but let's not act like young players haven't struggled early exactly. in their careers and then figured it out a year or two right. later, right? Even Colton Miller struggled as a rookie. Yeah. I'm not saying Alex Leatherwood is going to be Colton Miller, but right. he had his struggles mm-hmm. and he improved yes. because that's what you're counting on young players to do. And now you have a brand new coaching staff in here, mm-hmm. brand new offensive line coach, where maybe they see the developmental thing a little differently than the previous staff did. And maybe there's a different course and chart of action for Alex Leatherwood's development that is going to bring the best out in him. We didn't see that last year. right? And frankly, in order for this team to reach its ceiling, and you know who knows whether that's going to happen or not, you are going to need a stability on the offensive line, more stability than you had last year. The offense was still, all things considered, for, you know, half the season, even with the offensive line issues, was still pretty good. Right. But you are going out and getting Devontae Adams because you want to have an elite offense. Right. And it's not going to be elite, elite, elite unless you're getting stability from the offensive line. So to your point, yeah, I think they they do feel um there's probably they, they probably do feel good about Alex Leatherwood's prospects for development. Completely forward. agree. And and I, I feel like this offensive line um I, I think the I think the Raiders offense is going to be good regardless. Me too. Okay. Yeah. But it's going to be the difference between a good offense that is making do and kind of working around um, an okay offensive line or bad offensive line compared to an offensive line that is pushing an otherwise good offense to levels of greatness. Right, right, right. And and to your point, Cincinnati Bengals, right? Not a good offensive no. line. Got to the Super Bowl and almost won. Right. That said, it came back to haunt them it in was, the biggest game of the season. Yes. And when you have an offensive line that struggles – Nobody wants their quarterback getting hit five, six, seven, eight, nine, no. ten times a game. You don't want to have to depend on perfection from everybody else because your offensive line isn't isn't holding up its end of the bargain. So I don't think again, it doesn't need to be a top five, top ten unit. If it's if you have a league average offensive line with the with the players on the periphery, with Josh McDaniels calling the plays, with multiple running backs, and with Derek Carr in his prime, you, you can see the, the the seeds of a top five, top six, seven, top. You know, top six, top seven kind of offense. Are the Bengals sustainable? Because, uh, and, and let me preface that by saying, you look at, especially in the playoffs. I mean, they had to like, uh, there were they were the benefits of they were the beneficiaries of, of some luck. Yeah, uh, they won. Was it how many were they all almost? They were all by, by the you know skin of their teeth. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, they needed the Kansas City Chiefs to just a colossal meltdown. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm wondering. I mean, that's. It's, I, it's not repeatable. No, right? no. That you you saw even internally with getting the Super Bowl, the first thing they did in the offseason was go out and upgrade their offensive yeah. line. You can't subject your quarterback to that kind of punishment. You can't require. You can't ask him and all the receivers, "Hey, you got to be perfect. You have to be perfect because right. the offensive line isn't." So, again, if if the Raiders' offensive line if it doesn't improve at all, 
Derek Carr still almost threw for 5,000 yards last year, and, you, and, the, and you, you have more explosive playmakers around him. They're going to be able to score points. It, to your point, it's just there's levels. Are you going to be a good offense, or are you going to be a great offense that could potentially carry this team deep into the playoffs, yes. which is what they want to do? Right, exactly. So uh, we're obviously going to be uh, going to be uh, charting that. Uh, before we get out of here, um, and, and one other uh, area that I'm really going to have my uh, eyes focused on. Yeah are those cornerbacks. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I'm a little bit more bullish on cornerback uh, with the Raiders than I think a lot of people are. I think um, the issue is uh, people just haven't seen some of these guys do it with the Raiders. Um, it, so Because they revamped it. They, they you know, uh, not only A, Trayvon Mullen coming back from injury. So our last recollection of, of Trayvon Mullen was really 2020. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, there's uncertainty there. Rock Yassin, Anthony Averett uh, have played at a pretty decent level in their careers. They just haven't done it with the Raiders. Um, Nate Hobbs obviously had a, a great rookie season last year, but but I feel like I feel like there's more potential here um, and more upside and more potential for a pretty decent group uh, than than maybe some people, some other people. Well, Rock Yassin was a starter in Indy, and Indy's been very steady defensively. Trayvon. Mullen was improving, right? Yeah. He was playing his best football to date before he got hurt. Now, of course, got to see how he responds with 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 the offseason surgery and whatnot. But that was an he was an ascending young player. And then you nailed it, Nate Hobbs, right? Mm. I, what kind of role are we going to see him in? He was one of the best rookies in the NFL last yeah. year, one of the, the most impactful defensive rookies. And now you're playing in a scheme where there might be a little bit more versatility, might be a little unpredictability, more unpredictability. Not that Gus Bradley's cover three scheme is, is bad or anything wrong with it. it. It clearly improved the Raiders, helped them make the playoffs. But there's a little just there's a little bit more unknown, I think, with what Patrick Graham wants to do. And you feel like Nate Hobbs has some of those kind of playmaking capabilities yeah. to, to be deployed in a really interesting way. Yes, he was an excellent slot corner. Could he be pushed for playing time on the outside? Might we see him, you know, in kind of a hybrid safety role? I don't know. That's that's what I think is 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 the challenge for Patrick Graham and the challenge for Nate Hobbs is I think there's another gear he can get to. How can he find it and how can he be even more disruptive in games this year than he was last year? So if everybody's healthy, I think, you know, health permitting is a huge thing. That's that's I think kind of where some of the uncertainty comes from is, is the injury mm-hmm. with Trayvon Mullen. Um, but you have, you know, this isn't I don't look at this group of cornerbacks anymore and think these are, you know, all young guys. You have some veteran players right, now with, exactly. with experience. Maybe you don't have a Casey Hayward who was really good anymore. Right. But Rocky Yassin was an ex, you know, was a solid starter with Indy, and you have some depth now that you are building out with players that ha- are, are developing experience. So, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe not as much certainty as as you'd want going in. But I also don't think it's a, it's a position of where there's a liability, right? You know, I, I agree. And and if I'm Patrick Graham, uh, I'm 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 excited about seeing all the or figuring out all the various different ways to utilize a Nate Hobbs. Sure. I think that he's just like uh, scratching the surface. I think, uh, you know, like like you were alluding to, uh, there's something there to be able to tap into to turn him into a playmaker Mm -hmm. and and ways to really impact games. I feel the same way about Trayvon uh, Merrick as well, uh, the the young free safety uh, that the Raiders have. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to get into, uh, by this time next week, we're going to have a little bit of a body of practice work, at least, uh, to really start diving into, uh, when, when we gather back up next week, uh, but super excited about, um, you know, uh, what we're going to see this week, what we're going to be able to report on, um, and all the note taking that we're going to take so that we could deliver you guys, our listeners, uh, and we truly appreciate, uh, all of you, uh, uh, great coverage, um, great commentary, uh, everything that we do over at Vegas Nation uh, between the podcast, the stories, the photo essays, 
uh, the columns from uh, people like uh, Sam Gordon and, and Ed Graney. Uh, it's all for you guys. And, and honestly, I think uh, I speak for Sam when I say uh, we're kind of chapping at the bit uh, to get out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it it's feels like the season just ended. And now um, we're going to get a real feel for what this new regime is going to bring to the table, what this new roster looks like, and what kind of potential the 2022 Raiders had. You know, last year's history was – probably as tumultuous of a season as any franchise can go through. And now, again, going back to kind of my point at the top, Vinny, there's some stability, there's a blank slate, while still having a foundation to build on. So um, it's, it's going to be super interesting. And then, of course, not to mention the dynamic of the AFC West, yes. which is absolutely stacked. So oh, that boy. makes this season even more fun for us. Without question. Uh, uh, don't forget, we'll be back at it uh, next week. Um, and, and until we do uh, gather back up or huddle back up, uh, just want to let everybody know that Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal and Blue Wire. Sam Gordon, thank you so much. Uh, we'll catch back up with you next week. Uh, and of course, Larry Muir working uh, uh, things behind the scenes. Always appreciate uh, our good friend uh, Larry for uh, getting us out on time, making us sound good, uh, and chilling back there uh, um, like nobody's business uh, as, our, as our great producer. We'll catch you guys next week. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today.